Shock Sports Radio starts now. If Jason Tatum did not miss nine games, Jason Tatum would have been the number one pick in this draft. This guy had the knack, the ability to create his own shot. I think Pritchard was asking too much. Danny wasn't willing to give up. And that's just the way it goes. As a GM, your responsibility is to get the best offer out there. Yeah, that's my point, though. I think he's trying to you know, look at his career as a whole and say, I don't want to go 3-9. and nine. Shock Sports Radio this week. We're going to be talking about some NFL and NBA players requesting trades and also break down the second half expectations for the Boston Celtics. Tune in. Welcome to week three of Shark Sports Radio. It's Mark Shark Loizel alongside of me. As always is nobody. Glad to hear you guys tuning in. It's fantastic. Appreciate the feedback. Thank you for tuning in on your SoundCloud application. This week, there is a ton of news that we need to discuss. And a lot of it is in regards to players. Players in the league, you know, notifying that they don't want to stay inside their own organization, which kind of causes a problem to me. We'll get into that, and we'll also get into the second half of the Boston Celtics. It should be an exciting second half of the season. A good amount of storylines back and forth, players going where, nobody really really can consider it until July. So uh, let's get right into it. I want to talk about the latest talk of Antonio Brown and the Pittsburgh Steelers, along with Anthony Davis and the New Orleans Pelicans. But I've honed in on those you know, aspects in weeks past. We know Anthony Davis. We know his status. We don't have to really get into it. What I want to get into is the fact that players have the ability to take over. The owners have the ability to call, call their own shots. Why? Because they pay the players. And it just occurred to me that there's there's a wrongdoing when it comes to requesting a trade. Antonio Brown is for one. Anthony Davis is for another. There's been guys in the past. I, I want to rattle them off, but I don't know off the top of my head. But I know for a fact that there has been a player in the past that has requested a trade. Russell Westbrook is a perfect example, too, for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, he does come to mind. Paul George, another one. So there is a lot of things that go behind the scenes in requesting a trade. When you have a player of Antonio Brown's caliber who can post up 200 yards and a touchdown in any given game, but when he goes to the owner and he cries about how he doesn't feel comfortable, he doesn't feel respected, he doesn't feel wanted, there's a problem with that for me. When you sign a contract for roughly 12 to $13 million a year, call it, there is an obligation for you to live up to that contract. There should be player's request clause. And what that does, it allows players not to request a trade from their team. The players have taken over. The owners have taken a back seat. The owners make the most money, correct? Why don't the players become the listener? 
And I get it. They're human beings. They choose their destinations. They got families. I guess in, in a regular organization, yes, you have the ability to just say, I quit. I'm leaving. I'm gone. I get it. But from a million dollar standpoint, if you're making tons and tons of millions of dollars, I do not want to hear you cry over not getting the ball as much. Because that's exactly what Antonio Brown did. That's exactly the diva he is. And it is beyond bullshit. Excuse my French, but it is unbelievable that these players have the ability to just go up to an owner or GM and say, I want to get traded. Let's not say that that should happen. Okay, because it shouldn't. If a player signs a five-year contract, they're obligated to live that up. They're dedicated to that contract. I mean, there should be a clause in part of that contract that says a player cannot request a trade. And that's the only way to get rid of this mess. And we have to go back to the ownership. We have to go back to the, the commissioners. There, there's been a lot of players that just get away with a lot of things. And it shouldn't be a part of the game because it's ruining the game. If anything, it's ruining the game. Antonio Brown has talked to Art Rooney. They have settled. They have shook hands. They've, they kept their peace, which is a great exit. I applaud Antonio Brown for doing that because you don't want to be that type of guy that just says, hey, I want to get mine. I want to do me. No. At the end of the day, you kind of got to fake it, right? And, and he is faking it. Don't tell me that he's sending out pictures on Twitter and just happy-go-lucky and friendly with Art Rooney. There's stuff that happened in that meeting that will not be said, but there'll be books written about it. There'll be books written about Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger when it's all said and done. But the cusp of this topic is when Antonio Brown goes into that meeting, he has one objective. And his objective is to say, Art Rooney, I want to get traded from the Pittsburgh Steelers and I want to go to these teams. If I'm the owner and I hear that, or if I'm a GM and I hear what teams you want to go to, I say, the hell with that. You're sitting on my bench the rest of the season. You're sitting on my bench in 2019 and you're going to be standing there. Now, there is a side to it. I like to play, you know, flip the coin on, on the other side where you have the owner and the GM to get the most out of a player that you may potentially lose at the end of the contract. But keep in mind, Antonio Brown has two years left on his contract. These guys have signed up for big time money. So there's no way that these players should have the audacity to get traded, to put their life in their own hands. At the end of the day, they're human beings. I get it, but this is... This is sports. This is what you sign up for. This is professionalism. This is where professionalism comes into play. If you know your value, I get it. You got your value. You got your value in your contract. And now you're saying that this team isn't good enough to go and win a, a Super Bowl because you're not getting the ball? I'm going to leave an organization that I, I feel like is cancerous because I'm not getting the ball? Le'Veon Bell, I'm not getting the ball? That is preposterous in, in so many ways. Th there needs to be a realization when it comes to these players calling their own shots. I don't call my own shots at work. I answer to my boss. I answer to my owner. If that's what they want, I'm going to give them. And the reason why is because I'm on the contract. And also, I'm not that type of person. I I'm ready to do the work, put in the work, make money. And Antonio Brown should do that. Loyalty is when you have such honor and dedication to an organization, to a family, to really a togetherness that you believe in. 
Loyalty comes from you. It doesn't come from money. It doesn't come from the owner. It comes from you. If you want to stay loyal to your team and win a championship, do it on your own. LeBron James has done it in the past. Did he do it when he went to Miami? There was no loyalty when he went to Miami. But there was loyalty when he went to the LA Lakers. And why? It's because he didn't request a trade from Cleveland. He lived up to his contract. He played those games and he moved on. We've got to see that more often because if these players decide to call their own shots, that's when the owners take a back seat and that's when the product becomes less important and more worried about players' contract. And that brings up my other point, Odell Beckham Jr. There's a lot of discussion regarding the New York Giants. New York Giants are in the middle of a tough situation because they have a sucky quarterback, but they have all the talent in the world. And all the talent in the world will drive them to success. Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, Odell Beckham Jr. There's just one big problem. They have too many holes at each position. And when you're in the middle of being good and being bad, which I do put them in the middle just because they've shown glimpses of success. They have. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying 8-8, eight 7-9 and eight, seven and nine is good, but when it's all said and done, if you have the ability, if you have the talent, like Saquon Barkley, you, you're not going to trade away him. You're not. You're not giving him up. Odell Beckham Jr., yes, you give up. And the reason why you give up that type of talent is because you can get more return. And that's the same, same thing with an Antonio Brown. And I know I'm contradicting myself a little bit, but this isn't a situation where Odell Beckham's requesting a trade. It's the team looking at the value of the player and seeing what they can get for him. And the reason why that has to happen and it can happen is because the owners and the general managers should call the shots because they're paying the player. The player doesn't pay the ownership. The player gets paid by the ownership. And that's what gets lost in translation here. Now, Odell Beckham Jr., he's you know a star-studded wide receiver. He really is top three in this league. And, I mean, he's been putting up serious numbers Overall, he's probably averaging around 1,300, 1,400 yards in receiving. I mean, he's, he's putting up crazy amount of, you know, touchdowns as well. Now, when you have like a, a talent like Odell Beckham Jr. and a quarterback like Eli Manning, it's called wasted talent. I mean, Eli and Ben Roethlisberger, they were in the same draft with Phillip Rivers. So, you know, they're at a point in their career where it's kind of like, all right, you're on, you're on the mend here. You're on the, the back end of your career where I, I don't see it really coming to a full you know win for you. I, I think it's more of like, okay, I'm going to waste more, you know, more time to live up to my career, see how much success I can have, and if success is great, I'm going to move on. Now, Odell Beckham Jr., Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown asked for the trade, right? Odell Beckham Jr. didn't. So let's just get that straight. I'm not saying that's what happened. Odell is going to want to go somewhere else. He's not going to ask. He's going to want in in his mind because he feels like he would be needed on a different team. Now, there might be a situation in the upcoming weeks where he does request a trade out. And I wouldn't be shocked because Odell is that type of player that shows his emotion a lot and very um, understanding about his situation. And, and that's not to say that he's selfish and self-centered. It's just he's going to get his. 
And, and there was a big article on, um, I believe it was Pro Football Sports or Sports Illustrated, and the New England Patriots had discussions with the New York Giants. And the New York Giants saw how much value Odell really is to that organization. Now, Julio Jones is another example that has brought up in discussions, not to say that he has requested again for a trade. He's 30 years old. He, he wants to make you know the most of his years left. I mean, wide receivers, they don't really last long. They last for you know, probably like 33, 34 years old at, at most. Um, so he probably wants to live up to a guy like Jerry Rice or, or Randy Moss. With that being said, you, you should want to be the best. But there comes an open door where if you get traded to a winning team, hence, you know, Julio Jones to the Patriots, or hence Odell Beckham Jr. to possibly possibly even Green Bay to turn around that organization. I mean, that franchise has been built around success. It really has in years past. I'm not saying this year it has, but in years past, they've, they've won, right? So, I mean, with that being said, they are a successful franchise within the last five to six years. Um, so, I mean, if you add that type of you know balanced player and, and that franchise-changing player to the mix of, say, an Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or, you know, a Patrick Mahomes even, if you trade him to Kansas City, you know, I would hate to see that because then Kansas City becomes like the Golden State Warriors because, you, you know, of the NFL because then you have so much talent and then the talent kind of gets lost. So I would like to see Odell kind of go to a team, you know, that really doesn't have that second guy or, you know, that first guy. Even like a, a team like the San Francisco 49ers can use, you know, a guy like a Julio Jones or Odell Beckham Jr., Antonio Brown. My overall point in this is the owners need to really make a stand, actually, and, and say that this isn't right. This shouldn't be the case like Roger Goodell he's all about the product on the field and I get it you want to make players happy because then you don't want to go through the strike and and have to deal with that you know media all over the place in New York City but when it's all said and done if you have a player clause in the contract that says you cannot request a trade until you live up to your contract it makes sense because then the owners the owners are paying the players and the players are playing for the owners and fans, which makes total sense. And I would like to see that translation happen because there has been so much drama outside of football. We forget about the realization of a quarterback throwing to a wide receiver or a running back going off for 200 yards in the game. The offseason is kind of a mess. It really is. Like It's not good for football when a player can decide where he wants to go. Unless it's free agency. If it's free agency, it's freedom reign. Like that's the the most obvious thing is when you become a free agent, you're a free agent. You can pick where you want to go. When you're under contract, there should be a clause in place that doesn't allow players to demand their rights. All right, let's get into some NBA talk. The NBA All-Star Game happened this weekend. I'm sure most of you didn't see it. Um, Why would you? Uh, it's pretty boring to say the least. I mean, now they have um, you know donations going out to the players, which is great for their organizations and, the, and their fundraisers, which is really awesome to see. I'm not you know knocking that. What I'm knocking at is the performance of these players. Like there is completely zero defense, and, and last year 
there was there was actually a moment where I thought it was going to take a turn moving forward, but we're back to square one, people. It, it's just you know lob and and watch LeBron dunk and watch you know Giannis Antetokounmpo jump through the roof. Those type of things are fun to watch, but. I'd rather see what happened in the fourth quarter where LeBron James' team was down 20 and they come back to win. I mean, that that's the type of environment that you want to see throughout the entire game. You don't want to see a blowout and then have something, you know, happen. Guys shooting threes and it's just boring. Basketball is what it's always been. Like, people forget that the three-pointer didn't even exist. I mean, mid to early 90s. I'm not going to say it didn't exist, but like it wasn't as vibrant as it is in this league now. Like, you had Michael Redd, you had Ray Allen, you had, you know, Allen Houston, you had Reggie Miller. In the olden days, you had, you know, Larry Bird and, um, you know, Steve Kerr. But when it's all said and done, I'd rather see the talent really format what it was. I know I'm, like, reminiscing, but it is true. Like, that's what NBA was all about is competitiveness. It's not just a matter of shooting three. It's not just a matter of who can travel the most. It's not a matter of, you know, doing illegal Eurosteps at the end of the day. Here's, like, the the main problem that I have with Eurostepping and, you know, taking too many steps. When a kid in an open gym or recreational league or CYO or high school when they look at James Harden or when they look at, you know, Paul George or when they look at Russell Westbrook, who travels unbelievable amount of times, they do the same move as these players do. And then they go perform and do it in the game. And they're called for traveling in that game, that respective game. In the NBA, that doesn't happen. And, you know, moving on through the, you know, the challenges. I mean, you had the skills competition, you know, shout outs to Jason Tatum, uh, the Boston Celtic who live up to the, his expectations as a true, you know, all-around player. Um, he, he hit a half-court three-point shot in Trey Young's face. And, and that was really nice to see because I think Trey Young's probably the most overrated player in the NBA right now. He is becoming, you know, I guess a learnable player. I didn't think he was going to really be open to learning um, because I think he had such a really good career uh, in Oklahoma that he just finally um, got out of his realm and, you know, trying to take a step back and say, all right, maybe I'm not as good of a shooter as I am. Or if I am a good as a shooter, maybe I should get other people involved and become a threat. Um, but yeah, Jason Tatum is one heck of a player. It's awesome to see, um, you know, the Boston Celtics being represent, you know, within the weekend and, you know, him hitting that shot was very great to see. Uh, not to say that that's like, you know, uh, a player changing opportunity. It's more of what else can Jason Tatum do? And that's what I want to get into for the second half of the season with the Boston Celtics. I think there is so much to learn throughout this this second half. And it might be for the future. It might be in the present. We'll start from the present standpoint. Gordon Hayward you know, was unbelievable with Kyrie being out. And I, I just want to squash the fact that people are saying the Celtics could potentially be better without Kyrie. Chris Forsberg, great guy. Met him um, when I interned at Nesson. Showed me the ropes, and you know I learned a lot from him. He actually gave me the opportunity to to really speak about the Celtics from my point of view. And I always like you know looking at Twitter, his Twitter, because I think he's such a good writer, and he speaks you know very well. He came out with a, a tweet 
in recent weeks um, before, you know, the NBA All-Star Game events started. And he said, yes, Celtics are 10-2 without Kyrie. No, they are absolutely not better without him. And the net rating with Kyrie is plus 8.9. The net rating without Kyrie is 1.8. Offensive rating with Kyrie is 113.8. Offensive rating without Kyrie is 105. So Brad Stevens really went around um, to say that we need Kyrie to be the best version of ourselves. And I just want to break down that quote because I believe in the same thing. I know for a fact Kyrie is one of the best, if not the best in the league, as far as scoring or having that, that clutch mentality, right? He's like the Kobe of old. He, he can get it down the stretch. He can get his. And, and a player like that needs to learn to get other players involved. That's not to say Kyrie's not doing that. He most certainly is. What players around him need to do is adapt to his game. Like when your time to shine on the court, Gordon Hayward, when, when Kyrie is off the floor, you got to perform. You got to be in attack mode just like you were when Kyrie was out. Jalen Brown, same exact thing. Jason Tatum, you've got to play better defense. In the low post, I mean, at the end of the day, you cannot be fronted. You cannot have, you know, ask for help every single damn time you're on the defensive side of the court. What you need to be able to do is score in bunches because Kyrie is always going to be sustainable and consistent throughout the game. At the end of the game, when it's all said and done, he's going to be the guy that finishes and closes it and seals the deal. But we need to have that understanding of, Players around Kyrie need to formulate and really build a foundation and chemistry. I, f- I feel like there's no chemistry. I think I said it in my first episode is I think this is the first year where I've had problems watching the Celtics because I feel like they're, they're, they're lost within themselves. And I do think, you know, Marcus Morris, you know, coming out and saying it before the NBA All-Star game that they're not having fun out there and they're playing for themselves instead of as a team. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but those were the quotes. And and that, from a standpoint, is the adversity that I was talking about in episode one. You are never going to have a perfect season where everything goes perfect. You just can't. And even if you do solidify dynasty, look at the Golden State Warriors, for instance. They could lose Klay Thompson. They could lose Kevin Durant and maybe even DeMarcus Cousins at the end of the year. There's going to be times where it gets bad. It's just how do you overcome that? And, you know, for the Celtics, overcoming it is the ability to bring Kyrie back into the fold. But also have guys ready to do their job. I think at the end of the second half here, it's Brad Stevens saying, everyone, just go out there, do what you do best, not do your job, not don't steal that from Bill Belichick. I would hate that. What I would say is go out there and be the, the best person you can be on the court with Kyrie. The reason why there has been a lot of talks with Kyrie wanting to play with KD and and Anthony Davis possibly is because we get caught up in these sources and when it's all said and done, it's a matter of the product on the court. Talk to me when July hits that Kyrie won't sign. He will resign. The reason why is because these players surrounding him, 
Daniel Tice, Terry Rozier, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Marcus Smart. These players will come together and they will make a run at the NBA Finals. What the NBA Finals will be telling is this is a winning franchise. The Boston Celtics as a whole has always won championships, right? And I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but it's true. They they have 17 banners. They're going for banner number 18. To have a superstar like talent in Kyrie Irving to be a part of that building brick, to really be that foundation to solidify yourself as a championship contender, because without Kyrie, you're not. You are not a contender without Kyrie. You may beat the Philadelphia's of the world. You may beat... You know, the Miami Heats, the Orlandos. But when it's all said and done at the end of the year, when game seven is on the line with a minute left in the game and you're down by three, you want Kyrie Irving on your team. Because you know, especially from past experiences, he can hit clutch shots when it matters. It's important that Brad Stevens instills this type of environment within the players to say, be the best type of person you can be when you're playing with Kyrie. Because if you can, you will win at some point. It might not be this year. Maybe they're too young. But there'll be a time where you're better than all these teams in the Eastern Conference and you have the ability to be Golden State. You have the foundation. You have the shooting. You have the supporting cast. You have that all-star and a couple of all-stars in the making. I mean, let's talk about Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I mean, they're arguably two of the best players in the league. There is a lot to this big picture and the overall outlook for the Boston Celtics will be successful. But I'm going to again repeat that it's important that these players play at their best when Kyrie is on the floor. If they don't, then Kyrie is going to look at it and say, why am I going to be here for the next five years if I have all this talent and I cannot connect with them and build that opportunity on the court? And we will see in the next coming weeks. I mean, Kyrie's you know healthy. He's back. He feels great. So it will be really nice to see all these players really circulate a mindset of delivering a message that Brad Stevens, Danny Ainge, Wick Grosbeck all have in mind moving forward for the near future. And then when Anthony Davis could potentially bring, you know, a championship possibly to the Celtics, if he does get traded to the Celtics and Kyrie resigns, it will come to fruition in a Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen opportunity. And it would be nice. It would be nice if the Celtics can make a run at the Eastern Conference Finals, the NBA Finals, to show that development, that growth, that progression that Kyrie wants to see. It's more selling on Kyrie this year than anything because you're so young that you need to have the opportunity to show what could be rather than what's not going to be.